0: As I was reading that uh, about the oil. I remember that story in, uh, or in Second Kings, uh, chapter four. It's about a. Uh, it's called Elisha and the widow's oil, and it's pretty much when, uh, when uh, Elisha came to this uh, a woman's house, and she's like, you know, my my husband is dead, and and Elisha's like, okay, what do you want me to do for you? You know, like, what do you want? And she said, "You know, I have nothing in my house but a jar of oil and uh And what did he say? He said, "Go out to all your neighbors, you know grab empty, empty vessels, just grab anything you can, and you know because God's about to do something in your life, you know just go grab everything that you possibly can and then and then we all know how the how the story goes you know she, you know all those vessels were filled with oil, and and she's like, What is going on? This is not possible. How's God doing this and um you know, I believe we, we, we're living in a time where, I don't know, the way we, the way we look at our lives is going to change, I think, because I think we're going to start to see more and more crazy things. I think we're going to start to see more and more of God in our lives, and, and we're going to see Him move, and we're going to see Him just do things that we never thought were possible before. And, um, and I want us to uh, open up to the book of Exodus. I'm gonna be in the book of Exodus today. And um Exodus chapter eighteen. And in this chapter is a story of uh, uh Moses' father in law, Jethro. And pretty much he uh comes for, you know from the far land where he lives and, and he comes and he and he pretty much says hi to Moses, says hi to his daughter, you know, the people of Israel, and and he's kind of there for not a very long period of time. He's there for Small period of time, but he sees it's like he sees a problem there with Israel. He sees that Moses, pretty much, put so much weight on his own shoulders that he's trying to do everything. And and he and pretty much what he says is, Moses, you have to find people who are pretty much like faithful, and you have to you know delegate work to them. You have to let other people step up to. You You can't just do all the things yourself. And and uh, what I titled this message is is faithful or faithless. And uh, in verse. 21, this is uh, Jethro, his father-in-law, it's, he's giving Moses advice, and he's saying, I'm reading out of the New King James Version, he says, Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, and hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And uh, as I was praying this week, this uh, this place in Scripture Kind of I, I remembered it, and I wanted to talk about these these uh three qualities that that God just spoke through Jethro, and these three qualities that were kind of placed as a as a requirement for for the leaders in in that nation of Israel back then and and you know the first thing he says he says, you know you have to pick men who fear God. I started really thinking about it. I'm like, okay, we hear a lot about the fear of God in our church, you know we hear a lot about it. it 's like but and I just started thinking. I'm like, how can I always how can I always make sure that I have that fear inside of me? How can I always make sure that I truly fear God in my heart? You know, every single day of my life. So I don't just kind of get into the motions and 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 get into this this habit of oh, just kind of, well, yeah, I fear God. Yeah, I fear God. But how do I check my heart? How do I make sure that I fear God? How do I make sure that I have that uh, fear inside of me? And I started thinking about, okay, what would what would be the, the decisions that I would have to make daily for kind of to prove that I fear God to myself? Like, what would, what would I have to do? You know, what's proof? What's, what's something that I, could, that, that I would look at and that I would be like, okay, this proves that I fear God right here. And, and, you know, the list can go on and on, but just, I don't know, some things that came to my mind is, is, you know, am I living a life of abandonment? You know, am I living a life where I understand that nothing is really mine? Am I am I am I do I constantly have that idea in my head that nothing belongs to me in this life that I'm just here temporarily that this is like a this is like a tent I'm like camping for 3 days in this life pretty much and you know eventually I'll go back home but right now it's like I'm just living in a tent I don't own anything I just went to Costco I bought a nice tent and and you know that's that's where I'm staying for this time and I I don't own anything you know it's like do I constantly have that kind of mindset in me you know am I constantly thinking like, okay, this life is is temporary, is it temporary, is, is it, you know, heart, do you understand that this life is temporary, do you understand that there's something more, you know, kind of that, that just abandonment to yourself, abandonment to, to the things around you, to the, to the, the things that you do every day, you know, just, just this, you know, I'm kind of doing it because I have to, but I'm not, I'm not like connected to it, it's like, I'm I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. You know, it's like I'm I'm here right now. I'm temporarily, but I, I don't belong to this world, though. And then, uh, to fear God, what else does it mean? It means you're you're always you're scared. You're scared of missing out on you know what God's doing. You're scared of of you know if if you know back then it was it was a little bit easier for them. You know when uh, they saw a pillar of fire at night, and then you know a, a cloud of glory during the day. So when God started moving, they could like physically see it. You know, for us, it's a little bit more complicated than that. For us, we don't, we don't see a cloud and we don't see a pillar of fire. But, I don't know, in, in, in my heart, I'm, I'm scared of missing out. I'm scared of, like, of, of, of God moving in some direction and me, you know, still st- standing here or me going in some other. I, I, I'm scared of that, honestly. That's, like, my biggest fear in life, I think, is it's not spiders, it's not heights, it's not, not something crazy like that. It's, it's, I don't want to miss out on what God's doing. And, you know, more than that, I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do in my life or what He wants to do through my life, you know, because, you know, then we're back to talking about God's perfect will for us. And, and I don't want to miss that. And you, know, and, 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 you know, all these things and all these thoughts, they always drive you to make, to make decisions in your life, that, 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 um, decisions that are based on what God wants from you, not what you want in life. You know, like when it comes to your job, when it comes to anything pretty much, any decisions, when it comes to your, you know, family, when it comes to education, any any big decision, any small, any decision at all that happens in your life, you start thinking from, from God's point of view and you start thinking, okay, this is what I want to do, but does that match up with what God wants to do? You know, is, you know... I ha- I got this opportunity, you know, this job, and it's and it seems awesome, but is that what God wants me to do? You know, and there will be moments where what God wants to do will align with what you want to do. But I I noticed in my life, more times, what I want to do doesn't match up with what God wants to do. Because, you know, we all have a, a thing inside of us that's called our flesh, and this thing drives us. And this thing tries to drive us away from God. That's when we... Read about all the great people who have fallen in the Bible. It all it it all happened when they gave into their flesh. It all happened when they somewhere along their lines they're like, you know, well it's it's okay this one time. And you know, we read about Abraham and he's a great patriarch, but at one point, you know, he's like, Well, okay, God's not giving me a son, I gotta take matters into my own hands, and then Ishmael comes and then we see how that's a curse even to this day. Even to this day we see the fruit of, of, of that seed that was planted. And there's so many stories about great people in the Bible. We read about David, and he and he stayed home from war one day. And coincidentally, in that one day is when he sinned. And in that one day is when he failed, f- fell. We read about uh, Adam and Eve, uh, same thing. You know, that at one point they're like, oh, God didn't really say that. You know, just a little. You know, it's like you give your flesh a little bit of room to breathe, and that's all it needs. And... uh and I started realizing, man, I got to make decisions that just go against my flesh. Even, even it's like, I don't, a lot of times, I don't even wait to hear what God says. I just start going against my flesh, and eventually I end up where God wants me to be. Because I just realized that if I if I just stop pleasing myself, I'll be where God wants me to be. It's like, that's, an, it'll naturally happen. I'll just, I'll, I want to do this, I'm just going to go in this direction. I want to go there, I'm going to start going in this direction. And you see God moving, because... Because even, even when, when we make mistakes, but we have that kind of heart where, God, I just want to do what pleases you, even when we make mistakes, God will find some way to correct it. God will find some way to make good come out of it. And, and uh, you know, like it, it, it says everything that, uh, everything that happens, you know, works out for our good. You know, and but if if we just kind of live a, a selfish lives and just kind of, you know, go on with it, we can't you know, use that place, you know, and say, well, God's going to make everything work for our good. Well, you know, when we we're reading the Old Testament right now, you know, I, I love the picture of God in the Old Testament. I don't know. I mean, love is great. Mercy is great. I, I love reading about God in the Old Testament where, where uh, Moses comes up to him and is like, God, this person sinned against you. What do we do? And God's just like, take him outside and have everyone who saw him sin stone him. And it's like, oh, that's pretty harsh right there. But God's holy. You know what else? Do you have a better solution to that problem? It's you know if you if you if you if you have sin and, and, and it, even even like I said for an ounce it's 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 not crushed. Then you're giving flesh room to breathe and room to grow and multiply. Why does why does Jesus say that that if uh, uh, if a bad tree starts growing, what do you have to do? You have to cut it at the at the roots. You have to you have to cut it at the place where it can't grow anymore. Because if you just cut the leaves off, if you just cut cut the top off, the tree will keep on growing. And you know, in the in the beginning, it might look like, oh wow, look at that! I made great progress. I cut half of this tree off. Well, you know, you look d- uh, down the road ten or twenty years, and that tree is even bigger than it was before. Why is that? There's you know, every single word that Jesus said has meaning to it. If he says the roots, and there's a specific reason why he said the roots. You know, and it's, when we give sin that little, or or our flesh, that little room to breathe, that's all it needs. You know, it's like we open the door a little bit and Satan just like shoves his hand in there. And then eventually he starts pushing in. You know, it's, you got to start picking up those fingers one by one until the door closes. (laughs) You know, and you have to keep that door shut. You have to, you have to keep your mind protected. You have to keep your heart protected. You gotta, you gotta watch, you know, the, the, the things you're watching on, on, on the computer. I'm not even gonna say the TV, cause nothing good comes out of the TV. You know, you gotta watch what, what kind of stuff you're listening to. You gotta watch what kind of people that you surround yourself with, cause everything that's around you, it's, it's either giving your flesh room to grow or your spirit grows. You know, every single thing, there's no exceptions to that rule. Every single thing that you do, it does one or the other. And, and, and when I think of, okay, what is the fear of God, that's what I think of. I think of, I gotta, I gotta just be completely focused. It's like, I, I notice I have this weird characteristic that, like, if, if somebody asks me to do something and I, like, have to go to the greenhouse... Like, I'll, I'll walk through everybody and I'll just, cause I'm completely focused on the green. I can't multitask very well. So somebody said, do something. I'm going straight to the greenhouse and I might, you might be standing right here and stare right at me and I'll walk right past you. Cause I'm, my mind is focused that I need to go right there. I'm not, I'm not even noticing this person that's standing right here in my face. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm moving. I'm going in this direction. And I realized that when you have the fear of God, that's what happens with you. It's like you have a vision and you have a clear point that you know you need to get to. And it doesn't matter what craziness is going around you. It doesn't matter what's happening, who's there. You just, you're focused and you're moving in that direction. You know? And for me, that's what I see with the fear of God. That's how I see the fear of God. When I have full focus. I'm not, I'm not scattered around by every wave of new teaching. I'm rooted in what I believe in. I know who God really is and I'm moving in that direction. That's the first thing. He said those men have to fear God. The second thing is he said they have to be men of truth. Men of truth. Or women you can like, women of truth. That works too, you know, in, in this case. But he said they have to be men of truth. What does that mean? It means they had a, they had a, a reputation of being trustworthy. They had a reputation that, that, you know, this is somebody who speaks the truth. If I, if I ask him to do something and he says he'll do it, you know, there's weight to his words you know I'm, a, I'm a, a person of truth there's weight to his words you know he's not just you know throwing words out like yeah, yeah I'll do it yeah, yeah I'll, do it. I'll do it and then you don't see any results at all from his life you know it, you cuz you meet people like that and you know in the beginning you kind of you have hope for them you're like well you know I'll give them another chance I'll I'll I'll, I'll ask him something and he's like yeah yeah, yeah I'll do it do, it. and then no results again and then you know after a while it's like you start getting irritated you're like I'm not I don't want to ask you to do anything and it's like and it, it's like First, at first, you ask them to do the important things. You know, you ask them, "Hey, can you, can you, can you make sure all the doors in church are locked after everybody leaves?" You know, can you, can you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll do it. I'll do it. And then, you know, you're still in church, and you know that person already left, and you're like, "Okay, I'm going to lock the door today." You know, it starts out with something big, and then at one point, you know, you're like, "Hey, can you go pick up that piece of trash over there on the ground?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. And then you look, and that piece of trash is still there. And a, and, a, and you get to a point where you don't want to ask them anything anymore. Because, you know, he's not going to do anything anymore. A, a, a person of truth isn't like that. You know, his words, they have weight to them. You know, his words have weight to them. And, and, and what that means is usually, you know, there aren't just words coming out of this person. There's actions as well. You know, it's easy to say the right thing. It's, it's, it's much harder to do the right thing. You know, it's, it's easy. I remember um, Jim Anderson said, he said, a, a real man does what's right. You know, he, he not, not what's easy, he does what's right. And you, you know, that's great, and that's easy to say, but man, that's hard to do sometimes. Because sometimes you're in a situation where you know what's right, and you know what you need to do, but you're like, <sighs> man, it's a lot, but it's easy to say, because you know that it's the truth, and you know that, yeah, we have to do what's right, but it's much harder to do it, but... A person of truth, like like this this quality that that Jethro mentions to Moses, this like that God speaks through Jethro, this quality, a person of truth. It's a it's it's something that not every single person can carry. You know, it's I, I can I almost want to say there's like a handful of people in my life that I know for sure they're a person of truth. That if you ask them to do anything and they say yes, they'll they'll do it. You know, they'll sacrifice their own time. They'll sacrifice their own finances, but they'll find a way to get it done. Whatever it is they promise to do. And, you know, and people like that, you know, can be trusted with a lot of things. You know, people like that can be trusted. You know, it's uh, a, Jesus even said in in, in one of his parables, he said, uh, you know, those who can be trusted with a little can be trusted with a lot. You know, and, and I believe that those are these, these men or people of truth that, that, that are in this, uh, in this verse right here. You know, people who have been faithful with what's been given to them. And as time goes on, you know, more and more and more will be given to them because they prove their character, because they prove their trustworthiness. They prove that they are people who will stand by their word. And, and you're thinking, you know, okay, no, what are you talking about? What does this have to do with church? What, this has everything to do with church because this, this is our life. This is our everyday life because God speaks to us just like any other person. And he'll begin by telling us little things and he'll say, you know, go say hi to this person. Go ask this person how they're doing. Go pray for that person. Just little things. And if we're not going to be faithful with those little things that he's telling us, if we're not going to be faithful with those little commands that he's given us every single day, then don't expect, you know, to, to, to stand somewhere in, in Nicaragua in a big stadium in a crusade and, and God moving through you. You know, because it starts out in, in, in I believe it's in the, in the prophet Zechariah in his book. It says, don't despise small beginnings. You know, and, and that's what happens. You know, you, have, have you guys ever seen a seed planted and then grow overnight? I don't know, maybe with science, you know, they created something like that. But naturally, it doesn't work like that. Naturally, you put a seed. You, first, you prepare the ground for the seed. Then you put a seed in the ground. Then you start taking care of the seed, and over time, it begins to grow. That's how it works in our lives. You know, God prepares our ground for us. You know, He crushes everything out that needs to be crushed. He pats it down. He straightens it out. Then He puts a seed in there, and then it begins to grow and grows and grows and grows and grows. So that, that quality, you know, being a person of truth, being a reliable person, being somebody that 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 can be trusted you know you you know you you can you can weigh out when people ask you to do stuff and you know instead of just doing yeah 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 whatever you kind of weigh it out you'd be like okay can i actually do this you know what am i actually agreeing to and you know even before you answer the person you're already analyzing everything that you're agreeing to to be on the worship team you know when when you decide that, okay, I want to be on the worship team or any other ministry. You have to already process in your mind that, okay, I'm going to have to sacrifice this. I'm going to have to sacrifice this time, sacrifice this, sacrifice this and this and this. And I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to start doing this. Works like that with every single ministry. And then after you analyze all of that, then you'll be able to say, yeah, I'll be a part of this ministry. Yeah, I'll be a part of this task or this mission. I'll be a part. Because once you analyze it, you understand what you need to do. But the problem I, I, I see with, with with our generation, the problem I see with, with with all the young people is they don't know how to analyze things. They just agree to everything. They're like, "Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Let's jump on this boat. Let's 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 go. We, sounds great." But and then when and it's like in the beginning, it's all great. You know, you're on emotions. You're like, "We're moving. We're moving forward." Yeah. And then as soon as something comes up, it's like, "Oh, sorry, I can't make it anymore." You know, I have. I have this class that I, myself, I wasn't forced to take, that I agreed to take, that I knew would take up this time, but I still agreed to it, so I'm sorry, and, and then, you and then you know, kind of, you know, the leader of that ministry kind of looks like, well, you said you'll be a part of it, you know, like, what's going on, I know, and that's the problem you see over and over and over again, it's not, you know, it it, it would be one thing if somebody even, like, forced you to do it, and you had to do it, and you had no choice, but the the thing that, that rocks my mind is a lot of times we're the ones that make these decisions. You know, we're the ones that accept the job that don't allow us to start doing things. We're the ones that accept the job that, you know, forces us to work on Saturday and then we can't come to kids' church, we can't be a part of Guys for Strength or Girls for Purity. You know, we're the ones who made that decision. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, well, maybe you need to reevaluate, you know, whether you need to be a part of God's kingdom or not. Whether you, you need to reevaluate what it really takes because if, if you just, you know, I don't know. I just, You know, listening to Francis Chan, you understand that God's not just somebody who will just, t- you know, take whatever, you know, just, oh, you know, here's some breadcrumbs, God, you know, just take it, you know. No, he, He's God. He's holy. He's righteous. He doesn't need your breadcrumbs. You know, he doesn't need the little that you'll just kind of toss up every once in a while. You know, come to worship and, you know, hands praise and eyes clothes, and then, you know, whatever. You know, just completely, you know, thinking about the new spoiler you got on your car yesterday or whatever. I don't know. He doesn't need your worship when it's like that. You know, he doesn't need you reading the Bible when you're like, Oh, today's one of the long chapters of Leviticus, not the 16 verse chapters. Oh, okay. And then you... Okay, I'm done. Praise God, I read the Bible. He doesn't need that. He doesn't want that. He, I don't know. He, I can't read the Bible like that. I can't live my life like that. Because when you have a clear picture of who God is, you understand that, that anything short of excellent, He doesn't care about. If you don't put your full heart into something, He doesn't care for it. He doesn't care if you're very skillful at something, but... If your heart's not into it, he really doesn't care. And I'm not scared of saying that. I I know that's who he is. You know, and 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 we get to this point where we're just kind of like, you know, we're we're in in, in six thousand ministries and we're all doing a million things and and but we our minds somewhere else. And we're completely focused on something else or or somebody else, and we're just kind of like, well, we're in this church, we might as well do stuff. We might as well, you know, do something while we're here. no, it's not even about just being in church and doing stuff it's about you know do you have a clear vision of where you're going do you have a clear direction in your life do you know what god wants from you if you don't know then you just need to start getting on your knees and just start asking him to open it up for you you know being that that person you know who okay i said i'll do it i'll be a part of this team i'll be a part of i'll be a part of this i'll i'm going to fight you know like, what was it, like two months ago almost when, when Zima shared and he said, you know, no more youth. That's it. From now on, if you keep on coming, there's going to be standards. There's going to be something that you have to live up to and you have to decide yourself whether you want to be a part of this or not. And you know, we all decided that we want to be a part of this. You know, so there, so there have to be changes in our lives. You know, it shouldn't be that, that we get back in this cycle where in the beginning it's great and then now we're starting to fall back into the same habits. It shouldn't be like that. We should start to see changes. We need to start to see something change in the way that we think even. Not just the, not, you know, we can't just, okay, well now I'm just going to start forcing myself to get up in the mornings. I'll just start forcing myself to do all these things. I'll just start forcing myself. You know, and that, it's not even that. Something in your mind has to change. You have to understand the importance of doing all these things. You have to understand the importance of us being on stage and worshiping. You have to understand the importance of being an usher and keeping order in the church. It's not just, oh, I'm just, well, okay, I'll just be a better person. No, it's something in your mind has to change. You know, in, in, uh, in, in Romans, what is it, our favorite chapter of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, it says, you know, do not be conformed in this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's how you don't conform to the ways of this world. Your mind has to be, become renewed. Your mind has to change the way that, that, that you think about everything, the way that you see everything, the, the, your priorities in life. That's what has to change before, before you actually like see a visual change in your life. If you never, if you never have that shift in your mind, then you'll, kinda, you'll, you'll move by inertia. You're just going downhill. But as soon as you have to start coming back uphill, you're going to bottom out. And you're, and you're back to where you started it with pretty much. So fear God. Men of truth. Will, another thing that men of truth can do is they can look at themselves truthfully. It says it's it's when you can evaluate your own life. You can look at yourself and you can honestly say, yes, I'm right with God right now, or no, I'm not right with God right now. I need to change something. You know, being able to evaluate yourself. You know, it's, uh I don't remember, I think on Sunday somebody made a good point. It's like, you know, you don't, you know, who has ever come to a mirror and seen like a collar sticking up? They're like, okay, great, looks great. And you know, you don't fix anything and you go. Crazy people, that's who does that. You know, you see a collar, Messed up, you fix it. You know, you fix all these things and then you go, I hope my hair is not sticking out right now because that would be a really bad time for a hair to stick out. But, you know, you don't do that. You look at the mirror and you're like, okay, this is reality. This, it it doesn't, it doesn't matter if in my mind I think my collar is fine or my hair is not sticking up. It doesn't matter because when you look in reality, you can see it the way that it is and it doesn't matter what you think. And and same thing with us, you know, do we have that mirror in our life where we could just look at ourselves, where we can look at our heart, where we can look at, at, at how we're living and, and honestly evaluate ourselves? You know, is there something sticking up? Is there something not where it's supposed to be? You know, and that's, that's I don't know, I believe that's what these people of truth, what they could do. They could, they could look at themselves and they could be like, you know, okay, this case is brought before me. And, and yes, this is my relative, but I have to be fair. I have to be true, and I have to pick what's right. You know, not what's in, in, in my, uh, you know, what, what's good what, what's good for me, not, not what's in it for me. But I have to look at the situation, and I have to be able to discern, you know, where justice is. You know, not, and you know, and that can't interfere with what I want or, or what I think is right. It's just okay. What did God say? I'm sorry, just. I know you're my brother. I'm sorry. No, it doesn't go with what God says. Well, that's, what, what's, that's what these uh, men of truth can do. And the third third uh, quality he says is they are hating covetousness. And there's a reason that I use the New King, King's translation because I read a lot of translations. And it's like every single one of them, there's a different word used there. there and, and it's all they just share. They just give you part of the picture, I feel like. They, but... I don't know, when you look up what this word covetous means, covetousness, yeah, not covet, well, you can be covetous, but covetousness, what this means is there is so much in this little small, small word, it, what it means is, you know, in one of the Ten Commandments, it says, uh, the very last one says, do not covet your neighbor's wife or possessions or that, so a part of that is, is, is to kind of, in a way, be jealous of what somebody has, but, but, to covet is, is much more than that. To covet something is, 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 he has all this stuff and I want it. That's what it means. It's I want it. They have all this, but I want it. I want all this stuff. And, and the definition is, a, I think it said something like an, an inordinary desire for possessions or things. An inordinary desire. So something that's not normal, just you really need it or you really need it. You know, I don't like that word, I need it. I really don't like, because we don't need anything. We need clothes, food, and shelter. That's what we need. Everything else we want. You know, I need a new iPad. You really don't need an iPad. You'll survive without an iPad. But it, it's the un, in unordinary desire to want something. And and I don't know, and I, I guess, I don't know, God opened it up for me personally in my life, what, what this means. It means that, this is a quality in these people where they weren't attached to the possessions of this world. They really weren't attached to the things that they had in this world. They weren't they weren't always, you know, you know, I have to have the new the new all the new stuff. I need I need all the new things. I need to buy everything. I need to I need to have the biggest house. I need to do all this. I need No, there were people who were who hated that kind of stuff. There were people who just the things that I have are the things that I've earned. You know, the, another part of this word covetousness is, is uh, they hate bribes. They don't like money that, that, that pretty much has been given to them in exchange for them to, to uh, quiet down the voice of God. They don't like bribes. They don't like getting things that they didn't earn. They don't like getting things that they don't deserve. They kind of had that attitude where I don't care if you're, you know, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to play the lottery because I didn't deserve to win a million dollars. I, if I want a million dollars, I need to earn it. They've got a million dollars. We don't need millions of dollars, just so you all know. We want millions of dollars. We don't need millions of dollars. But they have that attitude where they're like, I don't, if it's just given to me, I don't want it. I need to earn it. I need to learn the value of this stuff. You know, that's, the, that's what I see with kids. Is, you know, they're always like, dad, I want this, dad, I want this, dad, I want this. As, uh, this happened in my life, so I can say this. As soon as you get a job, you start wanting less stuff because you understand how expensive everything is. You know, when you're a kid and, you're, and your mom and dad buy you everything, you know, it's, it's great. You know, I need all this stuff. But as soon as you get your own job, you're like, okay, maybe I don't need this stuff. I don't even want it anymore. You know, because you realize everything's expen- expensive. And, and, you know, to kick it up another notch, when you get married and move out, <laughs> and you really understand how expensive everything is, you start wanting a lot less things in life. And you understand that all you really need is shelter, <laughs> clothes, and food. You know, the things that we're so abundantly blessed with. And, you know, and there's so much of it around us that we don't even understand how blessed we really are. You know, I think when, when you go to a place like a, one of those villages in Mexico or when you go to Africa or India or some crazy place like that, you'll understand how much it's really worth. You'll understand how much it, you know, people don't even have stuff like that. And it's like all around us, you know, you go to a thrift store, you buy a shirt for 50 cents. Fifty cents is like you can you can go outside and if you search long enough you'll find fifty cents and be able to buy yourself a shirt. We don't understand how how blessed we are. And we're always like, I want this, I want this, I need this, I need more stuff, you know, bigger house, bigger car, better car, faster car, you know, make my car look nicer, do this, do that, do that, do that, do that. All this stuff in your life. And then and I believe that these people they were kind of distant away from that they were like, I have what God's given me, and I'm going to focus on the important things in life, not just all this stuff. Because especially reading right now in Leviticus and and, and and in Exodus, we read, and you, I don't know, it's like I'm reading it, and I'm looking at how God always looked at money. And it's not that he always said just completely ignore money, and it's not that money was always a part of, of Israel. There was always money involved, you know. We, you know, we read about the, the, you know, how they were all farmers and they were, and they were reaping and then they were harvesting the next year. And we read about that. And, and I believe we even read, we, we did, we read this today in Leviticus chapter 25 where, where pretty much God says, you know, the seventh year. Every seventh year should be a year of rest. Don't work. Don't do anything. And I, I always thought that was like crazy enough. But what's crazier is today I really noticed that he says in the sixth year I'll give you enough food for three years. So you'll be able to eat in the the sixth year, you'll be able to eat in the seventh year when you're resting, and you'll be able to eat in the eighth year because you didn't plant anything in the seventh year, so you won't have any food on the eighth year. So he says, for those three years, I'll take care of you. And, And what really hit me is that he didn't say, I'll take care of you when the economy is good. You know, he didn't say, I'll take care of you when, you know, everything's good and everybody has a lot of money. It's like he made this promise. He said, if you rest on the seventh year, I'll take care of you. It doesn't matter what the economy, God, I have my own economy. I'll take care of you in the sixth year, just be obedient to me. Do what I'm telling you, and I'll take care of you. And You know, that's a crazy thought, that in one year you'll get enough wages as if you would have worked for three years. That's, that's nuts, like Andre likes to say. That's nuts. That's crazy. That's like, and, and you know, the, the economy's going bad, and God still gave, gave, gives you three times more than you would have earned you know and i and i believe we're we're entering into a time where we'll start see these cra- we'll start seeing these crazy things maybe not in that sense but we'll just start seeing things that that god's just pulling out of the blue and you're like how is this even possible this you know there were so many times in my life when I'm like put into a situation and, and I just, and I start thinking, I'm like, okay, this is one way I could get out of this. This is one thing that could happen. This is one thing I could do. This is one thing. This is one thing. And then at one point you're like, okay, God, what do you want to do? And God like pull something out of the blue and you're like, how did I not think of that? That would have been so much better than everything I thought of. And there's been so many moments like that in my life with, with everything, all the big things, with my job, with, with all the important things in my life. That's how it happened. And and I know that I'll start seeing more and more of that as life goes on, and we'll start seeing more and more of that. We'll start seeing that in our youth. We'll start seeing things like that in our in, in in. We'll start seeing things like that in our ministries. We'll start seeing God just do crazy things in in those same school clubs and in that same Yogi Bear, and we'll in 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 our worship teams and in our prayers, and we'll just start seeing all these crazy things start happening, and we're like god we're just we're not we're not even doing anything we're just being obedient and God will just start to pour out, and he'll start just to send that oil and as long as we're obedient and in, in uh I read a little bit ahead to uh uh what is it? leviticus twenty six we'll be reading it tomorrow, but I really like these for uh, the leviticus twenty six verse three it says "If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them and th- and then God says Then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce. And the the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And then he goes on for like another nine verses. And he just begins to describing how he's going to bless them. If they're obedient to his words. If they're obedient to, to, to his commandments. If they're obedient to his statutes. Or statutes. I remember somebody said statutes recently. Roman. That was awesome. Statutes, statutes, it doesn't matter. But... You know, and you just read that list, and you're like, "Man, this is a lot more than I deserve." But God says, "I'll give it to you if you're obedient to me." You know, if you listen to my words, if you listen to the to the things that I, that I've told you in the past, I'll, I'll give you all these things. I'll bless you. And 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 so those three qualities, you know, to fear God, to 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 be a person of of, of truth with with a a good reputation. You know, you 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 mean the things that you say and and to just be distant from all these financial things in this world just be distant as distant as you possibly can obviously you won't survive right now by quitting and just living in your house and and you know not working you have to work but but it's like you you do as much as you have to and you and you survive and and you have that kind of mentality that this is just something that I do but my focus is still on God you know to have to have those three qualities and 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 back to that uh, verse in Exodus eighteen twenty one. The thing that that never made sense to me and it still kind of doesn't, but well, it makes a little bit more sense. He says these three qualities, and then he says in place these kind of people to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And the thing that always messed with my mind is that the people who were over tens and the people who were over thousands had the same standard. They had the same requirements. They had the same stuff that they had to do. You know, the the, the bar wasn't raised for the people who had thousands and lowered for the people who were over tens. It was the same bar all across the whole land. doesn't matter how much you were given, you had the same requirements. And that's something we can really apply to our lives, you know, whether whether we're, we're placed in the head of some ministry or whether we're just a part of some ministry, you have the same requirements, you know, and that's something I think that by, by human nature, we try to avoid as much as possible, we think, well, we're not the leader, so, you know, whatever, I can slack off a little bit. Zima always says this, this awesome example when we're on a mission trip somewhere. It's like, you know, as soon as you preach or as soon as you serve, you, this, this relaxation automatically comes into your heart like, whew, you know, got, got over and then you kind of, you know, somebody else has to preach so you're kind of relaxed and you're kind of like, whew, okay. No, it doesn't work like that. You know, we're all, you know, when we're talking about ministries and we're talking about mission trips, we're all one team. You know, if you played your part, it doesn't mean that you can relax. It means that you need to begin to pray for the people who, whose parts are coming up. You know the standard doesn't get lower as your responsibilities are, are are smaller. You know the standards remain the same. And and I'm just like think I don't know lately when I've been reading the Bible I'm just it's been really messing with my mind. I there's this place where where uh, uh, where Jesus tells the disciples pretty much like you know go and you know don't take any luggage with you don't take anything with you just go. And I started thinking I'm like man why that's so crazy to me. Imagine buying a, a plane ticket to Africa. Don't bring any luggage with you. Just that much. Don't bring any luggage with you. I want to see how long you'll survive. Don't bring any money. Don't rent hotel rooms on Priceline ahead of time. Just get a plane ticket and just go. It is, for me, that's such a crazy thought in my head. It's like I can't, I can't even grasp it. I can't even understand. And then at the same time, I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, why? Why isn't my faith that strong? Why would I not be willing to do something like that? You know, like, what's wrong with me? Because you know, we read over and over that God hasn't changed. You know, that He was the same yesterday, today, and He'll be the same Tomorrow. But for some reason, when we read scriptures like that, we think, well, that's just, you know, back in those times when Jesus specifically told them to do it, and, you know, that's just for them. But no, you know, we need to have that kind of faith. I'm not saying, you know, drop everything, <laughs> go to Africa without anything, but be ready for it. You know, be ready for something crazy like that. You know, what if God does tell you to do that? And, you know, and, and you'll go on that trip alone without anything, and, you'll, and God will do all these amazing things, and you'll come back and, and, and tell all of us, and we'll be like, Wow, this is amazing! You know, who knows what'll happen? Who knows what God'll do next? I I stop trying to guess because it doesn't work. But you know, be ready for for something crazy like that. In 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 group this week, we read about Paul and Paul's like pretty much I'm the worst person in the in, in the eyes of this world. He says everyone's looking down on me. I'm I'm being spat on. I'm being punched. I'm being hit. Everybody hates me. And then he says, "Be like me," and you're kind of like. What does that mean? Like, How am I supposed to take that? And then, you know, you have Jesus and he's getting crucified and he's getting annihilated and his body's ripped apart. And then in Matthew, or was it Matthew, I think it's at the end of Matthew 5, he says, you know, be holy as I am holy. You know, be like me pretty much. Or take up my cross. And you're reading it and you're like, you know, why doesn't my mind function in a way to to receive these things? Why am I so... No, 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 I live in America. No, 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 that's not, that's not for me anymore. No, that's for people in China who, you know, aren't allowed to have a big church. You know. But why? You know, what's changed in God's Word? Or is it something that's changed in us? In the way that we think, in the way that we understand things. And there, uh, there's, uh, on Monday, Alexei was here and he said this really awesome thing about this place in Scripture. It's in Matthew 7. It's uh, in Matthew 7, and it's that point where, let <coughs> see, what is it? It's uh, in verses 21 through 23. And it's Jesus saying, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Then he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And he made this awesome point that he's like, what was important to God wasn't that they were casting out demons or prophesying in his name or doing wonders. You know, with our mindset the way it is now, we look at those things and we're like, yeah, that's what all the great people of God are doing. That's like the, that's like the, the epitome. That's the highest rank that you, can, that you can get to when you start doing these things. But Jesus doesn't care about it. Jesus says, those who do the will of my Father. And you know, and if, and if the will of God for you was just as simple as take one step this way, and that was His perfect will for you, if you do that, then in God's eyes you're greater than somebody who does all these amazing things but are not doing the will of God. That's how crazy this place in Scripture is. Just be, do the will of God. Be obedient to to his to his small, still voice when He tells you to do things. And that's greater than 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 you know all these huge things that we're seeing. And we're like, God, why aren't we seeing this in our ministries? Why aren't why aren't why aren't we seeing big crusades and all this stuff? And and God's just like, you know, wait your time. You know, if you need to be there, you'll get there. Just do my will. If I tell you to go to Mexico and you're meeting some guy named Bob who you've never met before, just go. And it's like, okay, let's go. And we'll pick up Andre in California and just keep going to Mexico. And then we see God moving in that. If God says, hey, just go to Egypt. God, where are we going? Just go. Okay. If nothing happens, then we'll be like, okay, God, we messed up. We thought it was your voice. And but if something happens, then, then then we'll honestly be able to say that we didn't know what we were doing. Was, this is all God. You know, we had no plans. We didn't plan anything. This is all God. You know, same same thing with all of our trips. Just kind of like, what are we doing? Well, we kind of know what we're doing. We're, we, I think we're going to have a youth conference from these days. And then we always c- come there and everything gets changed. And we're like, okay, let's go to two churches this time. Not one. And Ramil has to preach twice. And he's not prepared. And okay, let's thank God it's not me, you know, (laughs) kind of, I'll pray for Ramil, but thank God it's not me, and just start being obedient to God's voice, and he'll just start doing all these things, and and I'm sure, Ramil, I'm sure those people were blessed when you were preaching, even though you weren't prepared, and Andre, they they were blessed, you know, they were, and it's not that you guys are amazing, it's just because you're obedient, and God used you, that's the only reason, and we'll see more and more of that in our lives, where we'll just be obedient, and God will use us, and we'll be like, I didn't even do anything, it was all God, and, and, man, and then one, one more uh, place in the scripture, then we'll start to pray, and it's uh, Luke 9, 62, you don't have to open up there, it's a scripture we all know, but it's a, it says, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God, and uh, you know, being faithful until the end, you know, I, I when I read these these three qualities that, that I talked about today, the, that's the first word that comes to came to my mind is somebody who's faithful, somebody who, who's in it for the long run, somebody who's going to keep going. You know, even when it's not easy, they'll keep making the right decisions. And they'll, uh, they'll continue to fear God and just, and just keep moving forward in that direction. And, you know, it, if you put your hand to the plow and, and look back, you now what does that mean exactly? It's kind of, I think, I think I already mentioned this, but it's kind of like, you know, when you're in ministry and you keep kind of, you know, you're like doing stuff, but you're constantly looking back. You know, you're not focused on what you're doing. You're not focused on where you're going. You're constantly kind of like, oh, over there's kind of cool and over there's kind of cool. No, but just, one. If there's one thing I can leave you with is just stay focused on God. Just more than anything, just just go in in, the, in that direction and, and just keep moving no matter what. Just keep, just keep moving in that direction. Let's just uh, stand up right now. We're just going to begin to pray and uh, just... Uh, I want you to just look at yourself before before we begin to pray. Just really look at yourself, look at your heart, and just and just to be honest with yourself. Like if you if you are faithful to God, if you are faithful to to the things that He's told you, or or if you're not, and if you're not, I, I really want to just encourage you to 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 make that decision right now. To make that decision, because because He'll always answer you when you come in with an open heart. He'll. He'll answer to you and he'll, he'll change your life, but you have to be willing to lay everything down.